Good morning. Great to see you all here today. I have a joke. I haven't told a joke for a while. This is one I've told before, but I, it came to mind. And it's really worth hearing again, okay? It's really a good one. Okay, so there's a guy walking down the street, and there's this old man sitting on the street, sitting in a chair, and there's a dog lying at his feet. And this man says to the old guy, he says, does your dog bite? And the old fellow says, nope. So he reached down to pet the dog, and the dog bit his hand. And he said, I thought you said your dog didn't bite. And he said, that ain't my dog. Ah. <laughs> uh has nothing to do with my message, but you do have to keep a sense of humor in life. You really do. And uh, Lori and I just spent a week back in Pennsylvania. We went back, my mother's 93, and she was going through a little bit of a rough patch, and we went back to be with her, but also to give my sisters a break. And uh, so we got to spend the week with her. She's doing better, and uh, we're really thankful for that. But um, on the way back from the store Friday afternoon, Lori said that the engine of the car sounded funny. And so when we got back, I, I said, well, okay, I'll, I'll take a look. I'll check the oil. So I open up the hood of the car, and oil is spewed everywhere. You know, like there's, you know, like there's a liner, a sound liner on top of the hood. It's soaked in oil, uh, the, uh, just everywhere, oil. And the oil cap's gone. And so I'm racking my brain thinking, you know, did, you know, I added some oil to the car right before we left at the beginning of the week on Monday, but, you know, did I forget to put the cap back? Did I not screw it on tightly enough? Did someone steal it? I mean, who would want to steal an oil cap? I don't know. But most, most of it came back my direction. And uh, <laughs> pretty, pretty, much, pretty, pretty, pretty certain thing. I searched, I looked through every cre crevice of that engine. I even got, waited until it got dark and got my flashlight so I'd be able to just see little areas, and, and I could not find that at all. So I walked into the kitchen, and I saw a Tylenol bottle sitting there. And, and I thought, you know, the threads on that Tylenol bottle are pretty big, and it looks like it's about the right size. So I emptied all the pills out. And I went out, and I'm telling you, that Tylenol bottle screwed right into where that cap was, and it, it screwed down tight, which, you know, you need pressure, because the, you know, the oil's under pressure. And so I'm thinking, well, okay, you know, we can drive, you know, from here, half hour away to a town that, that has an auto parts store. You know, we, there are no auto parts stores in my hometown. The, the closest Napa store was closed, and so... We're trying to figure that out. And, and I'm here, I'm really proud of myself. I'm thinking, you know, yep, Van did it again. You know, my creative genius has solved the problem once again. And uh, so then I told my brother-in-law, and I'm real proud of this, you know, and he said, oh, he said, do you know how hot engines get? He said, that won't work, that'll melt. And so, you know, I, okay, thanks, Ken. And uh, he knows more about it than I do. But then he called his mechanic friend, and his mechanic friend said, oh, you can't do that. That'll melt, and it'll melt right down into the engine, and then you'll have real problems on your hands. So, so um, I had a choice to make. I mean, I could have said, you know, tell your mechanic friend. You know, I mean, I, 
I, I don't know. I could have said, you're harsh in my mellow, man. I mean, I'm, I'm on cloud nine right now because of my creative ability to, you know, to fix things. And, uh, and besides, who made you the expert? You know, I'm free. I can do what I want to do. And, you know, why should I allow you to run my life? You know, stop trying to control me. You know, so you, you're, you are, you are, you are, uh, you're canceling, you are, uh, you're, you're stepping on my creative ability and my freedom. I could have said all of that. Now, what would you have called me if I had said that and used the Tylenol bottle? Idiot? Okay, that, that would be fair. That's the word I had in mind. I thought if I said that, my wife would get mad at me for saying that from the stage. But what else? I mean, it's foolish, isn't it? It's really foolish. You know, the expert spoke, and I, I needed to f- follow the advice of the expert. And actually, then the next morning, we, we drove the car across the street to this mechanic, and he tried one oil cap it didn't fit that he just had laying around. And then he got another one, and he came back, and he said, oh, the cap's right there. It would just sit right on top of the engine the whole time. So much, so much for my uh, creative genius and detail work, huh? But, I mean, the point is, do you, do, am I going to follow the expert, or am I going to follow my own creative ability that I call freedom and not allow anyone else to boss me around, not allow anyone else to tell me what to do? And the passage we're going to look at today, that's what it has to do with. And actually, we're going to baptize later, too, and, and it really kind of fits into this whole message. Um, in, in, in one sense, but would you stand with me as I read this passage? It'll be on the screen. You can follow along uh, silently yourself while I read it, but let's read the passage. This is Matthew 7, verses 24 to 28. These are the last verses of the Sermon on the Mount. So it says this, therefore, these are the words of Jesus. He said, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and slammed against that house, and yet it did not fall, for it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not act on them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and slammed against that house, And it fell, and its collapse was great. When Jesus had finished these words, the crowds were amazed at his teaching, for he was teaching them as one who had authority and not as their scribes. So, Father, uh, we ask you to reveal to us the things you want us to see in this passage. Give us revelation into the the heart of what Jesus was saying. Uh, Speak to our hearts in Jesus' name. Amen. Have a seat, please. I want to start with that at the, the very end of, of, the, of the passage where it says, he spoke with authority. And that word authority is a word that in our culture today, I think it's, it, it's, really, it's really a word that is rejected as something that is negative. But authority, real godly authority, is not like a domineering control, it's not like an angry and, and threatening voice that says, you better do this or else. And don't question me, by the way. I'm the authority. Jesus' authority 
is based upon the fact that he is truth. The Bible says Jesus, he said, I am the truth. And so Jesus speaks words of truth. And the words that he speaks, Jesus said in another place, he said, he said the flesh profits nothing. He said, the spirit gives life. And he said, the words I speak to you are, are spirit and life. They produce life if you listen to my words. But it's not enough just to listen to them. You know, we have to actually follow them. Uh, you know, I could have taken the advice of the mechanic and said, you know what, I think you're right, but I'm still going to do it this way because that's how I was brought up. Or I'm going to do it this way because that's how we do it where I come from. But Jesus is saying here, just knowing the truth isn't enough. It is acting on the truth that is crucial. John 13, 17, Jesus said, if you know these things, he's referring to teaching he gave in, in that chapter. If you know these things, he said, you're going to be blessed. You're going to be happy and blessed if you do them. You see, God's not looking for smarter Christians. He wants Christians who will just simply obey him. Just obey him. Just follow him. And, and again, it's not a domineering obedience. When, when we say Jesus is Lord, when we say he is truth, when we say he has authority, what we're saying in all of that is that he is the foremost expert on humanity. He knows mankind. He created us. He knows what we were created for. And if he says, do this, don't do that, then it's, it's just like the mechanic telling me, don't use that Tylenol bottle. That would make you stupid. That would be stupid to do. And, and, and so when Jesus says this, he's really giving us the way of life. It's the path of life. And following him is following the path of life because it's following the way he created us to live. Now, he says this. He says, he who hears these words of mine and acts on them. And so this applies not just to the Sermon on the Mount, but it does apply specifically to the words in the Sermon on the Mount. And so in this passage, in these chapters, what Jesus is really doing is giving us kind of a synopsis of kingdom living. He's kind of like, this is the rundown on kingdom living right here. Let me, let me give it to you point by point. And he goes through this, this whole, uh, the, these chapters and shows us all of this. And sometimes you read the things Jesus said and they seem almost like crazy because they are so out of step with the world that we grew up in. They're so out of step with the, the way we were trained and the way we have lived outside Christ. They're so, so out of touch with that. In, in fact, uh, some people will refer to the kingdom of God as the upside-down kingdom because it's opposite in so many ways to, to the world's wisdom. But what I want to tell you this morning is this. The kingdom's not upside-down. The world's upside-down. The world's upside-down. Jesus came to turn the world right-side-up. And so living according to the kingdom is living right side up. And it's out of step. It's against the flow. You become the fish that's swimming against the current. And that creates some problems in life. 
Jesus had problems in life because he swam against the current. And if I'm going to be a follower of Jesus, then I should expect the same thing. But it also provides for us the pattern of life that Jesus said would be a blessed life. If you know these things, happy or blessed are you if you do them. And so just a few of the things that Jesus said, just as illustrations in, in this uh, sermon. And realize they would have heard all three of these chapters in one sitting. You know, they heard him say these things just literally moments before he said this, that if, if uh, anyone who hears my words and acts on them is like a wise person. So they've, they've heard the words he spoke just moments ago. But one of the things in the world, we typically see kingdoms won by people who are powerful, by people who are, in some respects, sometimes ruthless. Those are the people that win kingdoms. But Jesus said this. He said, you come into my kingdom through humility. He said, blessed are the poor in spirit. Theirs is the kingdom of God. And we look on at other things Jesus said. He said, you know, when the world says, if someone persecutes you, if someone does something, and today persecution is they said something that makes me feel bad, if someone does that in the world, persecutes you, what are you supposed to do? Well, today you cancel them. You erase them from life, from existence. What Jesus said is this. He said persecution for righteousness sake. He said if we respond to it rightly, then we experience more of the depth of the kingdom of God. And, and that applies as well to the brother who offends you or the sister who offends you. Those we cancel also. They've offended me. I'm going to cancel them. Jesus said this. He said, right relationships are so important that if you're coming to worship, and on the way to worship, you remember that you have something against a brother or a sister, or they have something against you. He said, forget about worship. Go make that relationship right. And when you've made the relationship right, then come back, and then you'll have a right heart to worship me. And you see, what God cares about is his kids getting along. Like I have two sisters, and, if, if, and we get along. We get along really well. But if we didn't, think how much harder that would make for my mother at 93 years old. God wants a family that knows how to love each other. And so... He says that. He says the relationships that we have are, are even something that's so important that they preclude uh, worship. Uh, the world says sexual freedom is of the utmost importance. Don't mess with my freedom. And Jesus said that sexuality is something God created, and it is so special and so beautiful and so f foundational to his purpose for the world and for humanity that to violate it by looking at someone who is not your husband with passionate desires for them and entertaining those, or looking at someone who is not your wife with lust in your heart, that that, that is an incredibly serious breach of trust. And Jesus said it's like adultery. It's that serious. And so the world says freedom. Jesus said, no, I created you to be with one person. Love them. And, and that's where this happens. And so 
on and on. The world says, love, love your neighbor, hate your enemies. Jesus says, love your enemies and pray for them. You know, that's interesting because enemy, you know, we think, well, do I have any enemies? I mean, how many of you would say, yeah, I have an enemy in life or I have enemies? But let's say you're on the job, you're, you're, you're working, you have, a, you have a position, and you're in competition with someone else for the next promotion that comes up. This covers that. They're not really your enemy in the typical sense of what we would think, like they're, going, they're scheming to hurt you, but they might be. But you're in opposition to them. You're both going after the same thing. And Jesus says, bless that person. Encourage them. Help them. And if you do that, you're going to have a blessed life. That's so contrary to what we see in the world. And it just goes on and on, Jesus' is teaching, in uh, the kingdom where he is putting things right side up. And so the passage, as, as you move through this passage, in verse 24, the whole verse there, let's, let's look at that whole verse. He says, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them will be like a wise man, a wise person who built his house on the rock. And so why does Jesus call this person wise? Well, because, first of all, the person had enough sense to recognize the expert, to recognize the voice of God speaking through Jesus. And when he recognized that, then there's nothing else to consider. Jesus said, do it this way. And building your house on the rock is a metaphor for obeying Jesus, building your life on Jesus. And Jesus is the rock. He's the only foundation for life. And if I build my life on him, and not just hearing about him or knowing about him, but actually building my life on the things he says about life, then I'm building on a solid foundation. And really, that's one of the things that a good authority gives us. It gives us a solid place to stand. And I want to tell you, in our culture today, in our world today, it really feels kind of rocky. You know, like we're, like we're on a rowboat out in the middle of a lake in a storm, and we're being tossed back and forth. You don't have to experience that, because Jesus is the rock. Jesus is the foundation. And when we attach our lives to Him, not just in word, but in deed, you see, the, the whole idea of building on the rock, and later he says the house was founded on the rock. That means more than just laying two by fours down on a rock and then starting your building there. It means, it means attaching to the rock. It means sinking anchors in the rock so that when the storm comes, it's going to have to move that rock in order to move the house. And in the analogy, every time I obey, every time I take an area of my life that Jesus reveals to me, every time I say, Jesus, show me, where, where are you working in my life? What needs to change in my life? Every time I pray that and he shows me and I begin to submit that area of my life to him, what I'm doing is driving an anchor into the rock. And the bigger the step of obedience, the deeper the anchor goes. And so we want to be anchored in that rock, not just sitting on top of it, anchored in the rock. And this wise person recognizes that, so they follow the words of Jesus. They're able to anticipate the future. Because in, in Palestine in those days, there were uh, places that you could think, this is a great place to build a house, there's you know, shelter, it's a little valley. 
not realizing that in six months when winter comes, that, that little valley is going to become a raging torrent. When the rains come, they're going to wash right down through that valley, and they're going to wash that house right away that you built there. And so, but this man, he, he anticipates that. And so he's willing to search for the right place. He's willing to be diligent to dig down to get to the, found, to get to the founding rock and build his foundation anchored in the rock itself. So he does the hard work of digging. And I don't mean by that that that's how we gain salvation. Salvation is a gift from God through Jesus. He did everything necessary for us to have salvation. All we have to do is humble ourselves give up our own goodness that we might think we have, recognize I need Jesus. Without him, I have nothing. Humble ourselves and come to God in that humility and commit my life to him. Invite Jesus into your life, however you want to put that. But it's, it's, we enter in on basis of faith, based on what Jesus did. But once we do, then th- there are times, because we're swimming against the current, that it does get hard. And there are times it's going to be hard to obey his words because when you bless that person you're in competition with for the next promotion in the business, there are going to be friends and family, maker, family members who are going to come against you. And they're going to tell you you're crazy. They're going to tell you you, sh- you shouldn't be helping them. You should be just looking out for yourself. But... It's, so, so, there, so it is hard to obey because it means we're going to swim against the stream. But the next verse, 26, look at that just to compare. It says, And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not act on them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And so this is the guy who finds the nice shady spot in the little wadi and builds right on sand, doesn't look for rock, doesn't go into, doesn't go into the, the effort of finding rock where he could dig down to that and found his house on the rock. He, in other words, carrying it over to the, uh, the reality of the spiritual nature of our lives, he rejects the authority and the expertise and the wisdom of Jesus. He doesn't do Jesus. He doesn't live according to Jesus' words. And so his house is built on sand. He can't even think six months ahead. All he has to do is remember last winter and remember the, the storms that came and the water that rushed down these waters. He doesn't, he doesn't think ahead. He's living for the moment, just living for the moment. Won't do the hard work to find the rock or to dig down to it, just, just living for the moment. And now both of these illustrations uh, are, are obviously... They're people who are listening to Jesus' sermon. So realize that he's talking to people who have heard his sermon in person. And he's saying, some of you are going to go away from here, and you're going you're to begin to live according to my words. You've, you're, you're people that are, that are thinking ahead. You're founding your life on the rock. And when storms come, you're going to be strong enough to weather those storms. And when the final storm of judgment comes at the end of the age, you're going to be in me, in Jesus, and so you're going to, you're going to go right through that storm. And there won't be any judgment because you know me. Now, the other person, uh, obviously, is the person who hears these words but doesn't live by them. And Jesus gave another parable once called the parable of the sower or the parable of the so- soils. 
And he, and he talks about good soil, that where the seed falls and it produces a harvest. And the, that would be the heart that obeys. That would be the person, the, the wise builder. But the other one, he gives three illustrations then of the foolish builder. And one of them is a person who hears the words and just rejects them outright. You know, who is he to think he could tell me how I should feel about this person or that person or how I should treat them? And they don't hear God's word in the words of Jesus. They don't hear God's voice, and they just reject it outright. Jesus called that the hard soil along the path where the seeds can't penetrate. But then another person hears the word, and they are impressed. And they do say, this really does sound like God. And you know what? I think I should begin to follow this, this, this rabbi. I, I should follow his way. But then they face persecution or other difficulties in life, and they just give up immediately because they're really, Jesus called that rocky soil, and they have not been able to sink in a good deep root system. And the third, the third person is the person that hears and is drawn to Jesus but decides to follow Jesus, but then the cares of this life and the desire for possessions and the lust for things and pleasure and comfort and all of that crowds in, and it just crowds any thoughts of Jesus out. You know, a few months before I actually opened my heart to Christ, I heard the gospel presented, and uh, I had heard it as a child. I knew the gospel even at that time. I was 20 years old. My life was was... Uh, I was going crazy in my life and doing all sorts of things that uh, would lead to real ruin. And I heard the gospel presented, and a person sat down beside me and encouraged me to just to receive, humble myself and receive Christ into my life. And I thought, no, you know, I'm not going to do that, but I am going to start reading my Bible. And uh, my dad had sent me a little Bible that I had um, been given in Sunday school as a kid. And I walked back to my dorm room, and when I walked in the room, some of my friends were there with my roommate, and as soon as I walked into that atmosphere, the desire to read the Bible, any thought of receiving Christ into my life just evaporated. Instantly, it was gone. And, and so, some people can hear these messages, hear the message of Jesus, and say, good message. I like that. In fact, he's, he's, he's speaking from God, and I need to follow that. But if they don't have a heart that is really willing to humble, humble itself and come to him in humility with an open heart and just invite him in and Jesus change me. You see, we need to recognize we all grew up in an upside down world. We did. None of us come from a perfect family. None of us come from a perfect uh, community. None of us grew up in, in a culture that is perfect. And so we all have thought patterns. We all have uh, habit patterns in our lives that we think are right, but really aren't. And if, and if we'll just come to Jesus and say, Jesus, just I, I need you to show me where are the areas in my life that I think I'm right in, but I'm really not. And just constantly doing that. Jesus, show me. Show, show me, Jesus. I'm responding to this person this way right now. Is this, is this kingdom response, or is this just the way I was brought up? Is this just the way uh, my, my life has, has gone and things I've learned in my own wisdom, you know, the, the Tylenol bottle way, or is this your way? 
We just need to constantly be asking him that. And so, the, uh, you know, Jesus draws this uh, out into conclusion, but um, it, it really comes down to this, trusting him. Do I really trust him? In fact, Jesus in John 14 once said, you believe in God, believe also in me. And you can translate that, you trust in God, trust also in me. Do I trust him? If I do, then I'm going to do the things he says, or I'm going to be growing in doing the things he says. None of us will ever be perfect. But I'm going to have a constant open heart for the Holy Spirit to speak to me and to show me, you know, that attitude, you grew up with that attitude, you think that's right, you think you're justified in having that attitude, but you're not. That's not the Jesus way. That's not the kingdom way. And so as, 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 as we go through life, and we want to have the type of life that Jesus wants us to have. Following him is the key. In fact, here's, here's a thought I have, and I don't want this to sound harsh, but if I can't trust him with my finances in this life, how can I trust him with eternity? I mean, people say, oh, I know I'm going to heaven. That's all, oh, I got that covered. But right now, trust him with this relationship? Love that person? Forgive them? Oh, I can't do that. Well, if I can't trust him with a relationship I have, what makes me think that I'm really, truly trusting him for eternity? And, the, you know, the Paul, Apostle Paul said at one point, he said, examine yourselves as to whether or not you are really in the faith. And that's not to cause people to doubt their salvation, but there is a wisdom that says, is my heart drawing me towards Jesus? Because that's the chief indication that I'm in the faith, is that my heart is drawing me in the way of Jesus. And, and, and when, when, I, when I stumble off that way, my heart speaks to me about it. My conscience, the Holy Spirit, through my conscience, speaks to me about it. And I recognize, oh, I'm, I'm off track. I've got to get back on track. And so if my heart is drawing me towards him, then, then I, I know that I know him. But Following him means obeying him. Obeying him actually is partnering with him because he created me. It's like me partnering with the person that made that little Toyota car I have and recognizing they didn't make it for Tylenol bottles to be used on the, as an oil cap. And so I'm in effect, I'm partnering with them. I'm accepting their wisdom and the way they did it and partnering with Jesus in my life. And partnering with him is walking in his victory and peace. Okay, when I partner with him, I'm walking in his victory and peace, and that leads to a healthy life. Not, not a pain-free life, not a problem-free life by any means, but a healthy, resilient soul, a soul that prospers, and, and then, therefore, a life that prospers. And so, following the way of Jesus is just, just, uh, just simple wisdom, because it says the rain fell and the, the uh, house founded on the rock survived. The rain that fell on the house built on the sand, the house was swept away. And so, just to conclude this all, remember, we were raised in an upside-down world. You were raised, just let's all say that. Let's say these words. I was raised in an upside-down world, Okay. I was raised in an upside-down world. 
Now, how about this? All of my assumptions about life are not correct. All of my assumptions about life are not correct. And then let's just say this. You can say it with a, with a real heart. Jesus, show me where I need to change. So let's say that. Jesus, show me where I need to change. Because you see, I can't have it both ways. I'm either trusting what I learned in an upside-down world, or I'm trusting in Jesus, the only true authority who's ever set foot on this planet, the only true authority who understands mankind and how, how we're designed to live. And so, with, with, with finally, I, I would say this, that um, these, these two thoughts. First of all, live out of the new heart Jesus gave you. When you received Jesus, he gave you a brand new heart. And that new heart desires him. It desires to walk with him. It desires to obey him. And, and so when there is a temptation to go the other way, just stop and say, okay, I, I know that's not right, but everything in me wants, wants to go that way. And, but, but there's something inside of me too that's saying, no, don't do that. And what I need to do at that moment is to say, this passion, this desire, this temptation, this thing that's leading me away from Jesus is not the real me. Because the real me at the core of my being, at the core of my identity, I am new. That's why I'm struggling with this. And so as a new creation in Christ, who has every spiritual blessing, who has everything pertaining to life and godliness, I'm going to say no to that and I'm going to say yes to Jesus. See, that is resting in the new identity that we have. And when that happens, the Holy Spirit floods in and empowers us. And you can even say, Holy Spirit, fill me with your strength to do this. But rest in that, and then get input and counsel. Find a godly friend, someone who's at least where you are spiritually, and hopefully a little bit ahead but don't just take advice from anybody, you know, someone from work or your best friend in high school that is, is, is giving you advice from an upside-down upside world perspective. But when you have a decision to make or, or when you're responding to some issue or problem, uh, get counsel. Ask a godly friend, is this part of my old mindset? Is this more in line with the kingdom way of life, the Jesus way, or is this more in line with the old way, with the upside-down way. Ask them that. Am I responding out of an old heart wound? You know, we do that. You know, we, we have problems in heart, and we're wounded, and we don't get Holy Spirit healing for that, and then we just react emotionally to situations. Is that what's happening right now? Ask your friend that, and, and let them speak into your life. And just this question, is what I'm thinking, is what I'm contemplating doing really the way of Jesus. And we have to be in the Word. That's why we're going through the Gospel of Matthew just a chapter or a paragraph at a time, because we need to have this Word inside us, and we need to have it take deep root inside us. So I'm going to pray right now. Wilson's going to come up and uh, lead us into the next part of our service. So Ah, there he is, okay. <laughs> Father, uh, we're thankful that um, this isn't as complicated as we make it sometimes. 
and that you, you provide healing for heart wounds. Holy Spirit, you provide illumination so that we can see truth. Uh, open our eyes to see more clearly that as a follower of Christ, I have a new heart. Open my eyes to see that, Lord. Open all of our eyes to see that. And just release, Holy Spirit, release trust into our hearts. We receive it. We receive trust, faith, to, to trust Jesus and his way with our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.